you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, and, and uh, we're going to look in Joshua 2, uh, but we're going we're gonna to take just a few verses today. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord. Say amen. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, Deuteronomy chapter number 30, uh, today is Senior Recognition Day. Uh, we're going to recognize our seniors that are graduating uh, that's fixing to go out into the real world. Say amen. It's not all uh, rainbows and unicorns. Amen. Uh, uh, the real world. Uh, you know, life, life, I, 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 when we come to this day, there's so much, which, you know, the preacher is never shy or a lack of words. He's always got something to say. But when you think about the seniors and you want to address that and you want to talk to them and you want to, you want to tell them uh, everything that you did wrong, right? And you want them not to do that. You want them, listen, l- learn from me. Learn from me. I paid the tuition. You get the education. Amen. Say, so, oh, I'm going to learn from experience. The tuition is too high. Learn from other people who's already paid it. I need a witness. You know, and, and I, I always, I'll go over to, to, to Ecclesiastes and I want to talk about Solomon and how he searched for fulfillment and happiness. And he was looking for uh, joy and, and fulfillment in, in this world and what this world has to offer in a backslidden state, you know, and we know he, he was left empty and I want all the kids to know that. Listen, this world has nothing for you. This world is not going to fulfill you. This world is not going to satisfy you. The only place you're going to find contentment and joy and happiness is at the hand of the Lord. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, Solomon says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Just follow God. But I want to do something a little different. I want to talk about... I want to talk about decisions and choices. Life is made up of choices. And, and these young people, these young people are fixing to fly the coop, if you will. They're fixing to go into a time and a world where they're going to start making their own decisions and their own choices. When we can't be there to make them for them, although we would like to. Are y'all with me? But... Let's talk about choices today. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Amen. All right. Let's look in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 30 and verse 19. Now, to explain where we're at, Deuteronomy is the second reading of the law. It's not a new law. It's the second rendering or the second go around, if you will. If you'll remember, when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, they got to Mount Sinai. God gave them the law. God gave them their responsibilities. God gave them everything he expected out of them. They got to the promised land. They, in unbelief, they refused to go in and believe God. So what did God do? He took that, that crowd back out into the wilderness to wander around 40 years till that older generation died out. And now we have a new generation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And before God takes them into the promised land, he's going to remind them and give them the law again and to remind them of what he expects out of them. That's what we're reading. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. He says, I call heaven 
This is verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you what? I've set before you life and death. Now, I didn't go back and read all of the curses and all of the blessings and all that. Uh, but just take, it, take, take my word for it. God says a lot of blessings, but if you don't, a lot of cursings, okay? Now, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you will love me and obey me, that equals life. If you reject me and rebel, that equals death. So choose. So choose. Now, in Joshua, in Joshua, you don't have to flip there. It can be on the screen or, or right here. Now, before they went in, he said, choose me. Choose life. Choose blessing. Now they've gone in. Joshua has taken them in. They've conquered the land. They've divided the land. They've divided the inheritance. Excuse me, the inheritance. And Joshua is giving them another reminder. He says, now you're in where God promised he would, he would give you. And now watch what he says. In Joshua 24, verse 13. And I have given you a land which ye did not labor, cities which ye built not, Ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards, you which you planted not, do you eat. Now, therefore, in other words, because of all that I've done for you, now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods, which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, what's that next word? Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which uh, your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Boy, we need some Joshua's in this generation. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the people who are committed to come hear it. God, thank you for these young people who are fixing to step out into the real world. I pray that your perfect will be done. God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Choices, decisions. Life is full of choices. Life is full of decisions. I mean, that's what life is all made up of. You, 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 got, you made a choice this morning to get out of bed. You made a choice this morning to, to listen to that alarm clock, although begrudgingly, say amen. I, was, I was <clears throat> had the opportunity to spend a couple of days with my brother. He, he came up from South Florida 
uh, my cousin in Tennessee's son got married and we, we went over to, to his wedding and, and, and so me and Joe's riding in the truck for several hours together and we were talking and we just got to talking about things that happened and, and one of the stories that came up was an opportunity he had when he was in his early 20s. One of my uncles uh, uh, asked him and, 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 and you know, kind of uh, uh, said, I want to I do a business venture with you and, uh, and, and said, hey, would you, would you take part in this? He was going to finance it all, everything. Joe would just have to do the running part of it. And uh, when, it was, when it paid for itself, then the business would be my brother's and, and, uh, and, and, and so forth and so on. And, and right now, right now, uh, he, Joe's buddy, uh, Joe's buddy that he fishes with, he, he went into that business and everything, and now he's set for life. I'm talking about set for life financially, very, very, very well off. And he basically checks in with the business and then goes fishing. And I said, I said, Joe, why did you say no? He said, because I was stupid. He said, he said, I was in my early 20s. I was hog hunting. And I had a job. And in my head, I said, why do I need something else? I already have a job. And I said, what do you think? He said, it makes me sick to my stomach every time I think about how dumb I was. He made a poor choice. We rode on a little further and we started talking about some situations that took place back home. Uh, there were some men that we are really good friends with and were older, you know, older than us at the time. We were younger kids at the time. But these men who, who had, was in and out of church, you know, not really faithful like they should, they went to a bar one night in a place they, 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 they shouldn't have been to begin with and ended up getting into a, into a, a, a bar fight with three other younger guys and, and, and the other guys instigated it, got out into the parking lot. And, and anyway, to make a long story short, there were several people that died that night. And this, this one of our friends went to prison. And, and he told Joe, he told Joe, he said, I wished I would have just got in the car. He said, we were already in the car fixing to shut the door and they said that last one word. And we got out the car. Here we go. And now some people have died. Prison time. He made a bad decision. Now there are some decisions that are really not long lasting. There are some decisions that you can get over. There are some decisions that's just going to mean you're hungry because you forgot lunch. Say amen. But then there's some decisions that's going to be permanent. And some decisions you'll go to your grave with. Is anybody listening? Life is full of decisions. And obviously we want to address our young people. But I want, to, I want to tell everybody here that God has a plan for your life. And I want to, I, just two points, just two points. And I know I was told the other day, I told them, I said, listen, I only got two points, but I had like five sub points under each point. So it really didn't count. But really, I do have two points today. 
I want to share with you, first of all, there's some things you need to know. All right, say that with me. There's some things you need to, you need to know. Uh, then we're going to talk about things you need to do when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to the choices that you make. There's some things you need to do, especially, and, and by the way, by the way, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to start serving God. It's never too late to give Christ your life. Amen. But, but we want the young people to start early. Start early. All right. So here we go. Let's jump right into this thing. Number one, what to know. When it comes to decisions, when it comes to choices, when it comes to the, <clears throat> the life that I, I, I need to live and God wants me to live. First of all, what do we need to know? A, write this down. God has a plan for your life. You need to understand this. This is not a haphazard thing. God did not create everything, spin the world, get it going, and then turn it loose and said, you know, do the best you can. Every man, you know, everybody do what you can. Everybody's on their own. No, no, that's not the way God is. God has a plan for your life. No matter who you are, I used to think growing up that God has plans for preachers or missionaries or evangelists. That's the only people that are called. But I have come to find out that everybody is called to something. And that God's got a plan. God's got something for you to do. Now look in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And the word thoughts there translated is plans or purpose, right? The plans or the purposes that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God's got something for you to accomplish. He's got a plan for your life. Colossians 1, 9. For this cause we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I, if you look at the gospels, if you look at the gospels, Jesus is constantly telling people that he is on a divine timetable. He said, what, you remember, how many of y'all remember when he, when he was 12 years old and, and, and his parents for, uh, forgot him back in Jerusalem, kind of lost Jesus, right? And there, he's at the temple confounding the wise. They come back and they're like, oh my goodness, what have you done? Why did you do this to us? And this is what he said. He said, wist ye not, W-I-S-T, wist ye not that I must be about my father's and that phrase means to get an early start. You know what Jesus knew? God had a plan. Jesus knew God had a plan for his life. And then constantly through the gospels, you'll find out that people were trying to rush things. People were trying to do things. And Jesus said, hey, I must be about my father's business. He said, I must work while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I always do the, the things which please my father. In other words, my father sent me and I'm going to do what my father said. And, he, and listen, he says this. They, they were asking him. They were asking him about teaching them to pray. No problem. No problem. Most of y'all could quote this from a little kid. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy on earth as it is in heaven. 
God's got the plan written out for you in heaven. And every day you're supposed to wake up and say, okay, God, here I am. I'm reporting for duty. What is your plan for me today? What is your will? What is your plan? And you got to know that. You got to know that. Because if you don't, you're going to try to, your plan. Here's what, here's what a lot of us do and make mistakes. And I include me. Even sometimes we get so busy and carried away, we just get going. And, and all of us, we make plans. Everybody look at me now, this is important. We make plans and say, God, get in on this thing. Can, can anybody be honest? Help me with that. And then watch this. This is the crazy part. When he don't, we get upset at him. I don't know why God didn't help me with my prayer request. Because that was your plan and not his. God's not obligated to our plans. Are y'all with me? Do you know God's got a plan for your life? He really does. He's got a plan for your life. But here's the, here's the hard part. Usually his plan seems scary. Because his plan requires faith. And his plan is going to call, uh, he's going to call you to come out of your comfort zone. He's going he's to call a little lad to go out and fight a giant. He's going to, his plan will have 300 men facing innumerable hosts so that God will get the glory. His plan will call someone to die so he can be resurrected. We're talking about Lazarus. But he's got a plan. And so I, I got to hurry, but know this. God has a plan for not just missionaries, not just pastors, not just evangelists. Every single person in here, God has got a detailed plan for your life. Say that with me. God has a plan. God has a plan. All right. B, write this down. Write this down. You need to know the plan. It's not going to do you any good. Unless you know the plan. Paul told the, the, the church at Colossae, we just read it a while ago, from the moment, from the moment that he heard of their salvation and their belief in Christ, he said, we did not cease, it's looking your notes right there, Colossians 1, 9, we did not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his. Now, what's he saying? From the moment we heard about that, the first thing we prayed that you would know is his will for your life. That's the first thing. He didn't pray for prosperity. He didn't pray for success. He didn't pray for health or wealth. He said, man, the first thing you need to know after you get saved is God's will for your life. And man, that's the truth. What does it say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Y'all know Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye that ye may what? Prove. That means discern, know, understand, recognize what? His perfect will for your life. God's got a plan and you need to know that plan. You need to know that plan. All right. And here, here's a biggie. Here's a biggie. You need to believe it's the best plan. 
You need to believe it's the best plan. Write that out. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Now we may or may not get out early today. I'm trying to get it. I've got to stop shorter in the next service because that's when the recognition is and the seniors and all that stuff. So I'm going to try to do it in this one, possibly, so that I don't find something good I need to say in this one and I have to say it in the second one. So so y'all pray for me that God's will be done and not my own. (laughs) Watch this. Watch this. What's the first word of Proverbs 3, 5? Say it again. Say it again. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not. See, here's where, here's where it gets hairy. Lean not unto thine own. You see, there are some times God will lead you in a way that doesn't make sense. And a lot of times we try to figure things out and we will, we will follow his will if we can figure it out. How many of y'all have come to the understanding that you can't figure him out? You, you can't. How in the world is a finite mind going to figure out an infinite God? That's why he says... Don't try to figure it out. Just trust me. Say it with me. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own. Understanding. Don't lean on what you can figure out. Don't lean on what makes sense to you because God ain't always going to make sense. But in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. And by the way, for you skeptics in here, all the times I didn't understand him. It didn't make sense to me. And it was just, it just, there's no way he was always right. Every time. Say amen. Look here. Look here. Look what it says. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must. Come on. He that cometh to God must. All right. You got to believe he exists. And that he is a of them that. Now watch this. What does that mean? You got to know he's got a plan for you and you got to believe that's the best plan. If you don't believe that's the best plan, you're not going to submit yourself or surrender to that plan. You've got to know God's got your best interest at heart. I, I wanted to go my way. I had plans for my life and it did not include preaching. It sure didn't include pastoring. Y'all have heard me say this over and over again, but it bears repeating. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to work and fix animals because they don't bite. Listen, they don't talk back. People, people would do you wrong. Animals, animals, they, they love you. That man's best friend. Somebody say man. And I couldn't imagine getting up in front of people. I mean, in front of people, you're going to make me talk in front of people and not just in front of people, but a lot of people. No way. But you know what? He was right. Again and again and again and again and again. 
I find myself realizing how right he always is with everything. I've told y'all before, this is kind of humorous, how, you know, in the, in, in, in the beginning days of temple, I, 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 was, I was so gung-ho wanting to build a large church and wanting to do something big for God. And, and I was thinking, man, Coleman's kind of small. And, 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 you know, they can be, build big churches in Atlanta. And, and you know, Lord, if, boy, if we was in Atlanta, we could build a church fast. And, and so God had a preacher from Atlanta call me to do a revival in Atlanta. And I went and did the revival in Atlanta. And I, the, 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 the motel was like just about six or seven miles from the church. And he said, now listen, preacher, you need to leave at such and such a time to get there. And that such and such a time was way early. And I don't know if you know me or recognize me or understand me. And I'm going to confess something here. I don't get anywhere really, really early because then I'm going to have to talk to folks. And folks scare me. So I get there right on time. Amen. And I thought, there ain't no way you're going to leave here. That's early. Oh. How many of y'all been in Atlanta at rush hour? How many of y'all thank God for Coleman every day? I kissed the ground in the parking lot when I got back on. I said, God, if you'll just let me stay here in Coleman, I won't never, ever, ever want to go to Atlanta again. You know what I found out? God has a plan. And it's a good one. Can you imagine me in the inner city? I can kick my dog off the back porch and coon hunt from my yard. Matter of fact, one night I went coon hunting, didn't do anything. Didn't even tree a coon, didn't even make a tree at all. Hunted like three or four hours, come back, and I put my dog up. I went in the barn to get dog food, and there was coon tracks in my barn. I wanted to shoot every dog I had. <laughs> you know what? God put me in a good place. God put me with great people. God knew what he was doing. What was I thinking? See, God's got a plan. And God's plan is a good plan. I couldn't see all this. I couldn't see all this when I was living in Florida or in South Carolina or when I was kind of upset about some of the things that took place that led me here. But God's got a plan. And if we will let him work his plan, you'll find out when the plan comes to fruition, it's a good plan. And all God's people see it. Now, how many of y'all know God's got a plan? How many of y'all know it's a good one? All right, now here's what we got to do. Let's do this quick. Let's do this quick. Here we go. Here's what we do. If we know God's got a plan and know the best place for us to be is in that plan, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. Look at your, your second part of your page here. Second part of your page here. What to do. First, write this down. Have patience. Did y'all hear that response? I think I heard an old God out there somewhere. Ooh. Well, we don't like that, do we? That's a dirty word sometimes. It's like the man praying for patience. God, give me patience and give it to me now. That's us, right? Aren't you, don't you get frustrated when you're in a hurry and God's not? But seriously, the Bible says, wait on the Lord. 
Wait on the Lord. How many of y'all have realized that, that decisions made in haste usually turn out bad? Learn to put the brakes on. You know, I, I put on a list up there, you know, we have to choose careers. We have to choose spouses. We have to choose churches. We have to choose. Listen, some of, the, some of the decisions we make, if we get in a hurry, and if we make decisions hastily, we're going to get in trouble. Joshua is a perfect example of that. I'm not going to go into detail, save some time. But if you'll go read through the book of Joshua, you'll find out he made some hasty decisions without waiting on a word from God. And he goes from having great victory. I'm in the massive victory in Jericho. A big, the citadel of, of the whole promised land is conquered without losing a man. And then because of his haste, he didn't wait on the Lord, get a word from God. He went right into Ai, or the city of Ai, however you want to pronounce that. And he, he failed miserably. Now, how many of y'all seasoned adults in here can testify with me to these young people? Let's, let's show these young people that usually when we get in a hurry with our decisions, it don't turn out good. Can you? Can, can, so patience. Wait on God. Wait on God. Uh, Abraham, Abraham didn't wait on God. Now we got the mess in the Middle East right now. He didn't wait on God when God made a promise. And now we got a mess. Over and over and over again, when you see people hastily making decisions, hurrying up, don't get in a hurry. Patience. Patience. All right? Then... Write this down. Write this down. Prayer. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. Prayer. James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Say that with me. Let him that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. Ask God. Talk to God. Just talk to him. I can't tell you how many times I've asked this question. That people's coming to my office for, with problems or issues and everything. I said, have you sincerely prayed about this? And I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Overwhelmingly, I would have to say 99% of the time, No. Have you prayed about this? I mean, really sat and talked to God, even to the point that you fasted and prayed. And the majority of the time, we'll say no. Pray. If you've got a decision to make, pray. If you've got a choice to make, pray. Now watch this. Everybody look at me, and I'm not beating up on nobody or trying to... Do you know why... We don't do that. Let me tell you why. Here it is. It, I mean, and this is just plain as it gets right here. I can talk to Alabama people. I can't talk to people in Chicago like this. You don't pray because you know he's going to say no. Am I right? Have you prayed about this? Preacher, is it okay to, I said, what, what, what did God say? I didn't ask him, I'm asking you. 
Because you know what he would say. Pray. Pray. Say it with me. Pray. Pray. You want to make good decisions? What's the first thing to do? Have patience and then prayer. Then here's an important and really, really big time. Pursue. Pursue. What are we pursuing? Counsel. We're pursuing counsel. Look what, the, look what the Word of God says. Look what the Word of God says. Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. <clears throat> now keep in mind, keep in mind we're still talking about choices. When it comes to making decisions in our life, have patience, pray, talk to God, and then pursue counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where no counsel is, the people, but in the multitude of, there is what? Safety. Proverbs twelve fifteen, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Isn't that the truth? But he that hearkeneth unto is wise. Proverbs fifteen twenty two, Without purposes or plans are disappointed. But in the multitude of they are established. Now, now, what's it, what's it, what, what are we getting at here? Get some counsel. Before you get married, get some counsel. Before you date that scoundrel, get some counsel. I know he looks handsome in his tight blue jeans. But he just may be a devil. And, and how many of y'all have ever heard the word or the phrase, love is blind? It sure is. Every one of your friends trying to tell you how sorry he is. And you won't listen. Because you are Ray Charles at the moment. Do you know, do you know, this is really, it's a, it's a really, there's a scientific explanation for this, that there's a chemical that washes over the brain when you're in love, that you don't see the negative. You need to have, you need to have people in your life. You need to have people in your life that love you enough that they're not afraid to say what the truth is. Do you know what in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, there is a phrase that's just, just mind blowing. It talks about the kisses of an enemy and the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And the kisses of the enemy is deceit. Now, typically, we would put, we would put kisses with friend and wounds with enemy. But you, what, what, what the, the, the wisdom of this is, is that sometimes a real friend will say something that may hurt. But they love you enough to tell you the truth. And it may be hurtful, but they are your friend. And if somebody is kissing you and, and le- just telling you everything you want to hear, and they're not telling you what you need to hear, they're your enemy. Are y'all with me? Now, I want to give you, uh, quickly, quickly, I want to give you three things real quick. When you're seeking a counselor, when you're seeking a counselor, because here's what some of y'all are here. 
you need to, you need to get some advice. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to get some counsel. You don't need to go to Bertha at the beauty parlor and ask her opinion about this marriage because she's been married seven times. <laughs> or this young man comes into the clubhouse having struggles with his wife and there's 12 old men in the coon club trying to tell him how to live his life and they're too scared to go home. <laughs> I need a witness. What are we, what are we, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's been a long week, I'm tired. I'm just telling you straight out. What do we look for in a counselor? What do we look for in a counselor? Number one, just write this somewhere down there, anywhere you want to write it. I didn't put it in your notes, but it should have been there. Number one, are they saved? Are they saved? Do they know God? So important. Number two, are they spiritual? There are some people that say barely. That ain't the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who are walking with God. That you have confidence that they are in tune with God. That when they pray, you know they're getting in touch with heaven. Are y'all with me right there? Are they saved? Number two, are they? Number three, very important. Are they successful? Now, I know you can learn from people's failures. I I get that. But I would sure rather get advice from somebody that's made it. If, 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 (laughs) If I'm going to learn how to golf, I want to hear from Tiger Woods. Not, not John Henry down at the local golf course who can't break a hundred. Are y'all with me? And that's why it just blows my mind. The people that ask Bible questions on Facebook, when you got people answering those questions that don't have a blessed idea what they're talking about. Facebook is not the place to get advice. I need a witness. Seek somebody that's saved. Seek somebody that's spiritual. Seek somebody that's successful. In whatever area or arena that you're needing, listen, that you're going to make that choice or that decision, and it would help here. This is not, this is not a break, uh, you know, this is not a deal breaker here. But it would help if it was somebody that loved you. Enough. And I'm telling you, if they love you, they're going to tell you your zipper's down. You got a booger in your nose that, you know, you need a mint. Amen. See, I can't talk like this in Chicago. I, I need to get on the level where we at. That's what I'm talking about. And everybody needs that kind of friend. Well, I just didn't want to offend them. If it's going to lead them to destruction, offend them. Be, be honest. Be truthful. Find somebody. Find somebody. I, I tell you what. It, it's, 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 it's an amazing thing to have accountability around you 
when they do their job. And it helps you. It helps you. And all God's people say it. Know God's got a plan. Pursue that plan. God's got a great plan for your life. Now, how do I, how do I get that plan? He said, pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy seek him. God, what is your plan? Now, everybody look at me. I got, I got four more minutes. I'm going to use them all. I know in the next one, but I can do it in this one. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes we're so busy looking for the plan that we miss out on the plan. We're looking for our life purpose when he says, mow your neighbor's grass. Go cook, go cook a casserole for the widow. Uh, share your faith with the person on the park bench. You see, those little steps of obedience will lead to you understanding the big picture. And I've, I've been, I've, oh, I'm just waiting for God to show me his will for my life. Well, it's will, his will for you to be saved. It's his will for you to share your faith. So be doing those things. Yes. And then God will, how, how many of y'all know this? It's always easier to steer a moving car. Yep. Say this with me. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. And I promise you this, God will lead you to where he wants you. Amen, Brother Doug. Just, just do what you know. Well, I just don't know where God, then, then, then do you know that he wants you to pray? Does, do you know he wants you to be faithful to the house of God? Do you know he wants you to share your faith? Do you know he wants you to read your Bible? See, I got all all this. We've got a list for all this. It's in his word. I sat with a group of men last week in. I don't remember where I was at last week. (laughs) It's Detroit. Chicago. Chicago. We was in Chicago. I believe we was in Chicago. And they were sitting around and, and we had met the night before and we were, we were meeting for breakfast and then fixing to get on the plane, and come back home. And, and there was, I, I'm not going to say they were making excuses, but they was making excuses. And I'm sitting here and I'm already tired and I'm fixing to go back home anyway. And I said, gentlemen, I just, I just kind of leaned over the table and I said, gentlemen, I looked up both ends. Cesar, you was with me on this one, wasn't you? Yes, you was. I said, we don't have to pray about what we already know we're supposed to do. You don't have to pray about doing what he's already commanded you to do. Does that make sense? So let's just do what we're supposed to do. And all God's people say it. 